Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. The process of coming up with our why, our core, our true business model, what we do at the kind of basic level was our biggest challenge, but it also was our biggest growing moment because once we figured that out, everything else kind of came together. And also... One of our favorite quotes is by the writer Joe Magretta, and she talks about business models as being the story of your business. And so if you understand the story of your business, um, it makes things like creating strategies and deciding on the next steps um, for you as a company, um, it just makes that so much clearer. Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. My name is Millie Vincent, and here are some more tips for entrepreneurs that have been valuable to my dad, Chris, founder of V Forward Flooring. Never stop building strong relationships with customers and other people in your industry. View competitors as potential partners and collaborators, as this can positively impact your business in a big way. Make sure there is a market for your product or service by carrying out extensive market research. It's no use offering something nobody wants. Make sure that everyone in your business buys into your vision. If they don't, then change the people, not the vision. Hire the best people you can afford. Imagine the worst case scenarios that could happen in your business and plan for them. Plan for milestones in your business. If you're going to need funding, give yourself six months to find it. Always be on the lookout for ways to improve your business and to make it stand out from the competition. Recognise that you don't know everything and be open to new ideas and new approaches to your business. Listen to feedback, whether from staff or customers. Don't always listen to advice. Sometimes a good entrepreneur follows their own instincts. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Today I'm talking to Katie Romero Finger and Angelie Pereira, co-founders of Sensfera, the pioneering business model consultancy that puts storytelling at its core. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Katie and Angelie and uncovering their strategy for game-changing success. Take the phone off the hook, put the cat out and lock yourself in because it's Friday. I'm Kizzy and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I'm Rupert Rickson, founder of Perspective Pictures, and I've been trying to change the game for 8,760 days. That's why I listen to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Today, I'm talking to Katie Romero Finger and Angeli Pereira, co-founders of Sensfara, a pioneering business model consultancy that puts storytelling 
at its core. Now, what does this mean for you and for your business and how can you use storytelling to help you grow your business and improve your customer relations? Well, we're going to find out in just a few seconds. Katie, Anjali, it's fantastic to have you join me. We're really excited. Thanks for having us. I've got to say, I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. I've been pacing up and down trying to figure out how am I going to get the best out of this interview with Katie and Anjali. You must be pretty tired, Kizzy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be worth it, honestly. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, how did you guys get together? Because looking at your backgrounds, they couldn't be more dissimilar if you made it up. Katie, you've got a strategic marketing and communications pedigree. And Anjali, you used to be a nurse. How did the two of you get together? Uh, well, I used to be a doctor, actually, um, and I worked for the NHS and I hated it. I was I was really miserable um, and I realized I needed to change career. So I kind of fell into marketing by accident. Um, and I realized that I really like strategy. I like the high level stuff. I like working with leadership. And I found Katie, who likes to do the same thing. Um, so it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I kind of came up the leadership, worked my way to the leadership table via the unconventional marketing route, which as any Marcom people out there know, usually we have to fight to get a seat. And in one of those um, arguments, I found Anjali. And we just hit it off really well. We worked in the team, a team together. And it's been kind of off and on that we've been working together. And finally, we decided, let's solidify this partnership and start Sensfera. So here we are. And tell us a bit more about Sensfera. Um, Anjali, what makes Sensfera different? How do you stand out from the crowd? So really, in short, Sensfera is all about creating messaging. Uh, that's, that's really the core of the business. But there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, um, we were, as we said, in marketing and communications, we weren't expected to do anything high level. You know, we were doing mostly kind of marketing administration stuff and people will tell you to choose pretty fonts and pick pretty colors and make nice logos. And that, that was kind of the box that we got put into. Um, but what happened was we ended up being a sounding board for, for leadership. I mean, we noticed that a lot of what they were asking us to do in marketing didn't really make sense on a strategic level. We were always asking, what's the direction here? Why, why do you want this done? And where are you going with that? There was just a lack of alignment between our activities and the company's direction. So we ended up challenging a lot of their requests and asking, can we just go back to the beginning? Can we really understand what the story is here? What's, what's the story of this business? And we basically discovered they didn't have one. Um, so we ended up doing that piece. We ended up looking at that story, building it, figuring out all the pieces and you know it really became a, a light bulb moment for, for the leadership because they hadn't done that deep thinking themselves until we came uh, came at it from a real Marcom's perspective um, and it was was amazing because then what happened was it started to impact the rest of the business having that story in place. That makes sense. Um, tell me Katie what were the challenges you you faced when getting the agency up and running? And how did you overcome these challenges? I think our biggest challenge, which is um, kind of funny, is was really coming up with our core because we were yeah. so used to doing it for so many people. And it's almost, uh, it's like when people say, say what your faults are and you're easy, you can easily pick out other people's faults, but it's really hard to kind of turn that inward. For us, the process of coming up with our why, our core, our true business model, what we do, at the kind of basic level was our biggest challenge, but it also was our biggest growing moment because once we figured that out, everything else kind of came together. So 
coming up with our messaging, coming up with basic things like web page, um, our name, all of those type of things were really complex for us, much more so because turning inwards what we, you know, practicing what we preach was more complicated than we expected it to be. Once you'd managed to overcome that hurdle, how did you convince uh, business owners that this approach to um, to promoting or to telling their story was something that they needed to do. How did you persuade them? Because although we are, we try to be pioneering game changers, we can be instinctively conservative um, and stick to what works. But you'd have to overcome that that obstacle in some way, wouldn't you? For sure. I think that a big piece for us, and we always say this, is that there is a large element of education behind what we do. And at the moment, what we find is when we're able to connect on that human level with people. So if someone, a lot of what we do is through referral. And the minute we start having those conversations and explaining what we do, there is that light bulb moment to those leaders that say, well, maybe this is the way to do it because the way we've been doing it hasn't worked. So let's try this way. And um, we're still trying to figure out how we scale that at some level because a lot of it is that one-on-one human contact that needs to happen. Um, but that's what, I think that's where we are at the moment. Okay, all right, I'll get that. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Angelina. now. Um, tell me about visionary leaders, because I, I remember reading something um, that you'd written a while ago saying that visionary leaders often have a difficulty communicating their ideas. Why is this? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's funny. It's, it's something that Katie and I noticed um, many, many times over and over. We work with these incredible leaders who have this great vision. Um, they have big ideas of what they want to do. And they're really engaging people um, to, to talk to. But on a company level, on a corporate level, they have a really hard time getting people on board with those ideas because they can't quite communicate what they mean. I mean, they're, they're really, really great um, in, in person and on stage, but when it comes to actually translating those ideas into strategies, into business activities, actionable items, that can be really difficult. Um, and so when, when we came in and, and had a chat with these leaders, it, it was so funny. It was like, it was us being a mirror almost to them saying, these are the things that you're saying. And so it looks like this is the, the direction that, that you're really heading in. What would you say were the obstacles to solidifying your vision if you're a, a business leader? Um, it's, I think it's really hard to do this work. When you're thinking about what we ask leaders to do is we look deep within themselves and the, the core of their company. We ask them to look at things like, what is your purpose? Why are you here? How do you actually bring value to, to your clients? Why are your clients your clients? A lot of people don't actually know that. Um, they have ideas about what, what that could be, but they don't know the real, real reasons. So doing that deep digging work, that takes time. It's, it takes effort and it's really hard to do. And in many ways what we do is for that reason, it's, it's a hard sell because you're, when you're firefighting, you've got a spreadsheet that's covered in red, you're really busy with everyday business activities. It's tempting to skip over this core piece and and just carry on doing what's worked so far and um, and you know and continue with all the things all the things that you have to do as a leader. And so to take a step back, it kind of feels um, counterintuitive in many ways. But what we found is when people do do that, um, and we've seen it time and time again, 
the, the effects of that are are so long lasting and, and so impactful, um, not just on a kind of fluffy level where you're thinking about, oh, I, I know I know why we're here. But these are things that have a real impact on the bottom line. These are things that can guide your strategy, shape your business model um, in many ways. I mean, one of our favorite quotes is by the writer Joan Magretta, and she talks about business models as being the story of your business. And so if you understand the story of your business, um, it makes things like creating strategies and deciding on the next steps um, for you as a company. Um, it just makes that so much clearer. When you say the story of your business, is that the same thing as when you have a business and you put together three bullet points to explain who you are or what you do? Um, is that the same thing? Because it, it sounds like it's a bit deeper than that. Um, yeah, it's it's a great deal deeper than just having a couple of bullet points. I mean, it's, it's easy to make those bullet points. It's easy to skim over that. Um, but often what we find is Doing the deep work involves looking at the stories at every level of your business. It, it involves talking to the leadership. It involves speaking to people at the front line who are working with your clients and understanding, okay, so what what are the stories? What, what are the stories of you working with clients? Give us some times when they have really appreciated something that you did. Um, give us something that you're, you're proud of. What is your business stand for? What do people say about you? Um, I mean, one of the most defining moments that for us as a company um, was, was a, a client and friend uh, and mentor who, who we worked with a couple of years back. And he said to us that it was as if you brought us to life. Um, and that became that became our core. That became our why, our reason for, for existing. And um, was that story. So it was funny in many ways that um, the, the tactic that we used to help to, to build the core of others was, was the tactic that helped us to find our core. It sounds as though you've really found a niche and uh, you're making it work for you. Um, Katie, I was wondering about how having this vision affects a company during those moments of transition because as you as we all know businesses have to evolve and adapt um they they either grow they become smaller they uh, horizontally integrate or vertically integrate they get taken over and there's a lot of um there's a lot of confusion sometimes as to who they are and what they're doing what's the benefit of having a solid vision during these moments of transition Oh, I think it's it's like the fun in the most fundamental thing that you must have. And I think that's what we com constantly find is that when you're going through a transition, there's often this operational checklist of things that need to get done and people that need to be spoken to and people that need to get on board. But the piece about vision isn't necessarily looked at. And so when implementation of that transformation starts, there are all these roadblocks because no one really knows where they're going and why they're going there. And so if you don't have that vision completely solidified, it's really hard to get people on board and to make it their own and to make that implementation go smoothly. I mean, we found that uh, we had an engagement where we were changing, they were changing the business model effectively, introducing a new service line and people, they had been one business traditionally and they bring on this brand new service line which of which completely altered all the messaging but no one really had communicated that and communicated the reason behind that and why they were doing it. So when they were asked to start in, you know, getting involved in that transformation, no one really felt safe to do that because they didn't really see that greater vision. 
And so it, once again, as Anjali said, it's really going down to the people on the front line, connecting with them, bringing them on board, showing them the vision, getting them to be, feel part of it so that they can push it forward. Otherwise, I mean, they say that something like 80% of all strategies fail in implementation. And that is 100% true, especially for transformations, if you don't have that vision piece completely solidified. And that it's personable, that everyone can feel a part of that. Okay, well, you've sold it. I'm bought. I, I understand. <laughs> I, get, I get this now. I understand the idea of vision. But I want to know, Katie, how do I do this? How do I capture my vision? Well, we've come up with what we call the vision sphere. Um, it's kind of our proprietary way of working and our deliverable, if you want to put a, another name on it. And the idea is that it's stopping you know, you're getting in a room for maybe two solid days with the, the key players that you deem are important to the, not important, but kind of crucial to the business and asking those deep questions. As Anjali said before, I think sometimes leaders feel that this can be a bit of fluff. And so they don't stop to really think and do that deep thinking. And that is what we do. We push people to really think on a deeper level of what their organization means to them why it's impactful and how it should be impactful in the lives of others. And it's in that process of all of those questions and all of that reflection that we come up with what we would call the vision sphere. And that basically is the core of who you are, your story in words. And from there, you take that and you build out the rest of your strategy. And that way, you kind of, it gives you what we like to also refer to as your North Star. You constantly know where you're going and anything you do after coming up with this piece has to be a reflection of it. So if we move forward with a new strategy, it must have a piece of that North Star in it. Otherwise, we're not going towards the same objective that we had originally discussed. Okay, I understand that. And when you when you talk about the North Star, I always think about something that remains constant. But I'm wondering, is it possible that a company or a business's vision can change um, as time goes by? Or do you think we should hold on to our vision and stick to those um, ideas despite what happens around us? Katie, what, what do you think? I would say it's a bit more complex than that. I mean, I think that your core is something that shouldn't necessarily change. You do a lot of hard work and you really define that. And that is who you are as a company and as an organization. And you all sign off on that and agree to that. Now, markets change you know, your buyer can change or alter or evolve. And in that sense, you have to evolve what your vision or your core is to that new market. So there's always tweaks that are made along the way to make it fitting to the new circumstances. But if, in essence, we really see that when you stick to that core piece, you stay on track. So although things will change and shift, you keep that same core. I mean, we have our core is never going to change. What we believe in, our why, is always going to be the same. How we reflect it and what we do and what how we work, that might change over time. But our core is our core. Who you are is who you are. And I think I would I would add to that that um, vision. Kind of, there's an understanding um, of vision um, that we have that is slightly different from perhaps other leaders. Um, so often vision might be, you know, a desire to redefine a certain industry or to change a particular way of working. Um, so it's quite specific. It's sort of what you do rather than why you do it. Um, whereas for us, uh, your, your core vision is really something that 
doesn't really it's it's not immediately reflective of, of what you do so if we say to you that we bring people to life you wouldn't know necessarily that we were in marcoms um, it's more like um, your core personality stays the same but you might do different things in your life um, you know your, your character traits might change according to um, wh whatever's going on in your life but, but that core is is always um, consistent I think we can all relate to that, Anjali. Really, really good point there. Uh, but hold that thought. We're just going to take a quick break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. I've got a note here to remind me that the UK newspaper has given away five copies of Rainer Zaltzman's new book, Dare to be Different. Now, this book is described as a fascinating explanation of the positive effects of goal setting on enabling people. Wait, stop. No, this book will help you make money. It will change your ideas about business and success. Now, to win a copy of Dare to be Different, you just have to find the UK newspaper on Twitter, and their handle is UK newspaper, and tweet them a message answering this question. How does your company, product, system or service stand out from the crowd? Find the UK newspaper on Twitter and tweet them your answer. We're giving away five copies of Dare to be Different and the competition ends March the 1st, 2020. Good luck. This week's boss star is Priscilla Silcock, or better known as her performer name, Safira. Safira, I love this, I love this description. Safira is a heart-centered Australian burlesque author, entrepreneur, singer, songwriter, and teacher who believes in positivity. And so should we all. Safira is the founder of Safira's Showgirls, an academy that empowers women through self-expression. And she's also the driving force behind the Ibiza Burlesque Festival. Now, I haven't been to Ibiza in a long time, and I think I've just thought of a really good reason to pop in again. Um, in her spare time, Safira is also an incredibly talented musician. Here she is performing a track I heard last week, and I can't get it out of my head. It's called Mind Talk. Have a listen. Hi, I'm Johnny Combe, CEO of Pay4Phone UK, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Yeah. 
get in touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Welcome back. Today I'm talking to Katie Romero-Figa and Anjali Pereira, co-founders of Sensfera. And you've been listening to Safira singing Mind Talk. Now, Katie and Anjali, the two of you are on the verge of something quite historic. I understand that you're just about to launch your own podcast show. Um, Katie, what's the podcast show all about? Well, yes, we are. It's, it's an exciting time for us. Uh, the podcast is called Boss Versus Book, and it's essentially a book club or a book review in podcast form. And the reason we're doing it, or a little bit more about it, is that we're taking key leadership books that we've already read in our life, but rereading them, and taking specific points and trying to apply them to our journey right now of launching our own business. And so we're starting to, we're trying to see if what these leaders have said really do stick and stand the test of time, which while at the same time critiquing or agreeing with their points of view. Uh, Anjali, are you a big reader? Oh, yeah. I, I've always loved books. I, I really enjoy reading. Um, but I always used to read mainly fiction, um, and I like writing fiction as well. But um, but the, the, the kind of background to this, this podcast, um, we have uh, a friend... Um, and a former boss, Chris Hafner, um, who had a load of these business books um, from really famous leaders, who you know, really famous authors who've written these business books. And he had a load of them in his office. And he would always read them, get us to read them, recommend them to us. And there was this culture of using books um, and, and the inspiration from books to create strategies, actual business strategies. Um, and so. That, that really inspired us. That's, that's the kind of leader that we want to be. Um, and you know, if we were ever heading up a, a large company like that ourselves, that's, that's what we would do. We would turn to books for inspiration. So um, that's what we're doing here. It's kind of a reality show, but business style. Um, we're going to be applying the advice from these books to our own business and, and hopefully they will inspire and guide us. That's interesting. You, you say that you, know, you were inspired because of, because of the books that the other people read. I, I was thinking... Katie, what are your thoughts or how do you feel more more accurately? How do you feel about this gradual but almost inevitable progression away from the printed word towards the visual medium, towards video? Because it seems as though people are abandoning reading 
in favor of watching something on a screen. It's so true. And it's funny you say that because I'm still one of those old school people that with all these books, I have to have them physically. I can't do it on a tablet or any other sort of medium. I still need to feel it and take notes. Um, I think that it, what's interesting about it is that this push towards video and towards podcasts, because I'm a huge fan of podcasts, I probably listen to three or four a week, is that people want it in bite-sized pieces. And so books tend to be heavier. You need to have to dedicate more time to them. You need to delve into them. You need to, you know, find the time to sit down with the book. And the other forms of medium are kind of media are quicker. You know, you can get a real good piece of advice, business advice from a good TED talk that's 10 minutes on the tube or um, when you're running on the treadmill or whatever that is. So I think of all different things have their moment and have their placement, but that it's sad to me if people are moving completely away from the written word because I think there's so much to gain there. In fact, I downloaded the app Blinkist because we were reading so much. I thought, oh, I'll download it and kind of get the gist. And I absolutely hate it because it just, it doesn't give you the deep, the depth that a book does. And I can't get into it. It just, it's so high level that it's not, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't connect with me. So I hope that people aren't going to completely move away from books because I think they have massive value. But I also understand that other forms are really important because they have their moment and they have that inspirational piece in a quick moment just when we need it. And I've definitely done that. We had to write something for an event a bit back and I needed a bit of inspiration and I went to TED Talks because I needed to kind of hear something just to get the creative juices flowing and it worked. But books are amazing pieces of learning tools and I hope people don't move too far away from them. I'm sure they won't. Boss versus book. Will you be interviewing the uh, authors of the of the book in question, or will you be talking to somebody who's read the book and it's touched them in a, in a very special way? Um, absolutely. Um, we so the the kind of the structure of it is that Katie and I um, look at the look at the book together. Um, we discuss the the objectives, what we think the objectives of the author are, and we talk a little bit about what we think about the the chapter or, or the parts that we're reading. Um, and we use some some tools to to kind of deep dive into it. So that's that's kind of the beginning of it. But uh, when we finish the book, what we do is that we reach out to um, to other leaders in the business sphere, uh, to to authors, um, to people who are are in this um, this sphere, and we ask them to tell us what they think about the book and um, and give us and their perspective. And it's always really great to to get the perspective of other people who really enjoyed the book. Um, and, uh, and, and, yeah, just hear what they have to say. What a brilliant idea. I've always thought that true leaders are readers. And if, if, you, guys, if you guys can do anything to encourage more people to pick up a book and learn from other people's experiences, um, I've got to say hats off to you. I, I can't see this not being a huge success. Thank you, Katie. We're at my favourite part of the show. Uh, Katie and Anjali, this is a section we call Past present and future now what this means is that i'm going to ask the two of you i guess or a question each about your business past your business present and your business future now these questions have been devised by an absolute genius in human psych actually no it was me i i made this question <laughs> I, I almost pulled it off almost pulled it off <laughs> Okay, but if we, if we get this right, the answers will give us a unique insight 
into the mind of game changers Katie Romero Finger and Anjali Pereira. Now, will the two of you submit to the program? I submit. Tentatively, <laughs> yes. What are you going to do to us, Kizzy? <laughs> Nothing that you're not going to enjoy. This is going to be great, honestly, I promise you. As always, I'd like the two of you to imagine you can hear a clock ticking in the background. That's the sound of time passing by second after second. Now, uh, Katie, imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Katie Romero Finger, and she's just starting out on her entrepreneurial journey. Now, the young Katie asked you for two pieces of advice that she wants you to tell her one thing she must make sure she does and one thing she must make sure she never do. What would you tell her? Oh, I we, actually, this is funny. This, I like this exercise, Kizzy. This is something that Angela and I have actually done with each other. Um, my first thing that I would tell my younger self is to seek out empathetic leaders to work with and to make sure that I choose positions not based on, uh, I guess, based on status, but rather who can mentor me and those people that I can connect with. And what I would tell myself never to do is, hmm, what I mm. tell myself never to do? That's a good question because there are a couple. Um, I think the first thing would be to let words affect me. So as an entrepreneur, you're going to hear a lot of, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know about that idea. You're going to hear a lot of negativity. And it's really hard to tune that out. So I would tell myself to take everything with a grain of salt and to tune out certain things to not let words get to me that makes a lot of sense because i think um quite often we find ourselves talking ourselves out of something mm -hmm. simply based on somebody else's opinion of what is possible or what is good or what's bad and i guess a lot of it is about believing in yourself isn't it katie Oh, 100%. And I think, obviously, experience and age always helps that. But it's important, I think, for people starting out on their journey to also feel that way. And so I think when you have, if you would have an external person and an external mentor that kind of can say, go with your gut. I think that that's a lot of things, a lot of times in my life and a lot of people's lives is you don't necessarily go with your gut because your gut's telling you one thing, but maybe the data or the surrounding environment is telling you something else, yet your gut is something that is uh, is there for a reason and you should trust it. As, as a young KT Romero finger, how influenced were you by social media? I, I don't think I was too much. Um, I don't think I was too much, honestly. I think I've kind of fallen that, that age range, not to give it away, but... Uh, <laughs> But that it wasn't, it didn't affect me too much. I think what I was more, what impacted me more were people that I allowed, you know, my bosses, um, people on teams and stuff like that. I allowed to influence me more than I would say social media. I understand completely. All right. Um, let's move forward into the present. Anjali, what motivates you when you're fed up and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I'd rather be working with Kizzy and doing voiceovers on the radio. Well, you know, you know those moments, okay? What, what, what keeps you motivated and focused? Um, it's, it's funny, actually. I, I always used to say um, the reason that I 
sort of went into medicine in the first place was because I wanted to help people. Um, and so when I was working as a doctor, I um, would always be a little bit confused about why I was so unhappy because, you know, after all, I was spending every day helping people. Um, but what I didn't realize at the time was that um, there are different ways of helping people um, and we need to find the way to help people that makes us happy. Um, and so when I'm having a bad day, when I'm stuck, I think about um, the people that I can help in the way that makes me feel good, that the way that makes me um, feel like I, I am bringing something special. I'm using what makes me unique, what makes me special to help other people. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's that piece of being both happy within myself and also using that, that happiness um, to, to encourage and motivate and inspire other people. Do you have idols? Do you have people that you look towards as an example of the type of person or the type of contribution you'd like to make? Um, in terms of people I look to, I really believe in this concept of reverse mentorship. Um, so sort of as Katie said, connecting with empathetic people who um, you both both can teach you and you can teach them as well. Um, so I have this close network of people that includes Katie. I call her my business wife because, you know, we speak <laughs> to each other more than we speak to our actual husbands. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Katie and a couple of other people that um, are really close and their soundboards, their supports, their mentors. Um, and, and colleagues, really, and, and they're the people that really keep me going. And as for this idea of vision and the future um, and, and, and telling your story, I was going to ask, I was going to ask Katie, but I, but I should ask both of you, but let's start off with Katie anyway. Let's go, I don't know, 50 years into the future. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, I think that's, for me, the biggest piece is someone that listened someone that was empathetic and someone that impacted other people's lives in any aspect, whether that be on a personal level or a professional level. I think for me, what has really changed me as a professional is this notion of empathetic leadership. And when it's, it's different than, you know, listening, you know, I think that people constantly think, especially women, you listen, you know, you are understanding of people's personal lives but I think it's more than that it's about taking into account that we all have a million things happening in our lives and to see an opportunity for helping someone professionally as well as understanding their personal trials and tribulations so I would love to be remembered as a person that cared and cared enough to give my advice and to really think about a person on a deeper level than rather just a coworker or a partner or et cetera. I think that, that that's huge. It's when I've had feedback from people that have said that have said thank you for listening. Um, I think that that to me is that's enough. That's what I would love to be remembered as. And and would you do this type of work if you didn't have to make any money? Yeah, you know what's so funny about it is that obviously we all have to make money to live. But when you have these moments, when you go into engagements and you have these aha moments and you hear things like you helped us come to life, it's really an impactfully great feeling. And in the last two months, we've had tons of phone calls and we've reached out to people to connect with people, to get feedback, all sorts of things. And after every call, I always say, you feel so energized and I make no money on those calls. So they, it's just feels great to connect with people and to find that what you're talking about gives them meaning and that you can help them and they can help you. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I, I'm, 
grateful that hopefully, you know, it's a lucrative business at some level, but it also is my passion. So yeah, I would do it. As you're talking, I was thinking about a conversation I, I think we had a long, long time ago where I said that the two most important days of our lives are the day we're born and the day we realize why. It sounds as though you you know why you're here. Yes, for sure. I mean, I think that there is this moment where you, especially for us in this business, when you start out in marketing, as Anjali said at the beginning, people assume, you know, throw the marketing girl, always marketing girl, especially, you know, the presentation to make it look better, the colors are on brand, all this stuff that feels so superfluous. And so when you have that moment to sit at the leadership table or, or to have, be listened to and people understand what you're saying is impactful and that, and that feels really great and you realize it's a real passion and that you're good at it and that it actually has meaning for others. So yeah, I'd say I found it. It's taken a little bit longer than maybe, I guess, for other people. I don't know how long it normally takes people, but, um, but for sure, I have found it. You got there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Okay. Anjali, doctor, doctor, not nurse, doctor Anjali. <laughs> she slapped my wrist so many times today. Hey, that's a lot of studying. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> a huge difference. Anjali, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I think I'd like to be remembered as someone who is brave. Um, I think sometimes when there are big decisions, big choices to be made in your life, um, you're sort of walking a line between courage and insanity. Um, and at the beginning of it, it can feel like everybody is telling you that you're more on the insanity side, you're crazy for doing this. Um, it happened, it happened when I was leaving medicine. It's, it's kind of happening now. I mean, we know that what 98, 99% of businesses fail, um, when they first start up. So, um, yeah, I think it does take a great deal of bravery, uh, to, to make these big decisions in our lives. But when I've done them, um, and when I've lived through all that pain and the insanity, um, what I find is the fallout of that is is inspiring other people, is showing other people that, you know what, the mountain can be moved. Um, and so, yeah, that is what I'd like to be remembered for. I think that for a lot of us, not following our passion is something that we find difficult to do. Um, and, and not going down the road less traveled by is something that we just can't imagine not doing. Um, yeah. But let's let's go back just before we end just just before we end the show. Um, talk about Boss versus Book. I don't know if you remember. There used to be a TV show called uh, Columbo, um, and he would talk to somebody for hours and hours, and then he'd say, "Just before I go," and then he'd ask that one question that you know <laughs> yeah. he's been dying to ask all along. So I'm going to ask that one question because Boss versus Book got me thinking. Um, Katie, can you tell me, is there one particular book that you think every game-changing business entrepreneur really should have on their bookshelf? Oh, that's hard. I know. Sorry. Um, what are you reading? Well, one of my favorites, it's an old one, is From Good to Great. Um, we've read a lot. Right now I'm reading several different books. But From Good to Great is a, a fabulous book in the sense that when you read a lot of business books, of course, they all talk about Apple and they talk about, I don't know, Nike, all of the big brands that have lasted forever and changed the face of et cetera, et cetera. But a good, good, good to great focuses on really 
unknown companies that have been good and turned into great things and how they've done it. I mean, steel companies and pesticides, not pesticides, but like, you know, bug spray companies, things that you would never find very sexy or interesting. And it all ends up going down to and talking about what the core is, which a lot of the times, if not to see, say all of the times, is about what they do for their people and how that abs- that fundamental piece of thinking of your people that not the customer comes first but rather the employee and your who works in the company come first is what ultimately changes these companies from good to great and I, and I think the examples are wonderful because oftentimes what we felt when we read these other books uh, for example the first book we start with is uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek and he constantly if anyone listens to him and if you've listened to him always uses Apple and for us sometimes Starting out, it feels a bit intimidating to think, oh, I don't know if I can ever do that. You know, I mean, they've changed an entire ecosystem. So this other book makes you feel and understand that at the core of things, it's kind of tweaking two or three things and thinking about people. And again, coming back to that empathy that really makes an organization an amazing organization. What a great recommendation. Uh, From Good to Great by James C. Collins, a management book that describes how companies transition from being good companies to great companies. Angelie, what are you reading? Um, oh, gosh, that's uh, recommendation-wise, that, that is a tough one again. Um, there are, there's just so, so many books that I absolutely love um, and I would massively recommend. I guess my one, one of the ones that I, for similar reasons, actually, that, that Casey was just mentioning, uh, one of the ones I enjoyed was Simply Brilliant um, because, again, leaders and, and inspirational speakers and motivational people, they tend to use the exact same examples over and over and hash them over and over again. Um, whereas Simply Brilliant is an example of um, a book that takes companies that you, you may not have heard of, um, companies that have done really, really well. Um, and he's, the, the writer's really gone into a lot of detail about what made them successful. And it's a lot more relatable um, than just talking about, you know, Jobs and Wozniak and, um, and all the famous people. So I, I love that book. I remember there was a book called How to Be Brilliant, but I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever picked that up. So this is simply brilliant. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's going to be on our on my bookshelf. William C. Taylor, Simply Brilliant, fantastic. Okay, well, that's a really good recommendation. Um, I know that we've gone way over our allotted time, but this is a sort of conversation that I know we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. But um, <laughs> I, I want to wish you the best of luck with the agency, and, and I, I know Boss versus Book is going to be huge. Um, can we touch base again in a couple of months' time, just so you can give me an update as to where you are, what you're doing, and how it's gone so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. And hey, if you have a favorite book that you like, we can put it on our list and you can come on and we can hash out if we loved it or hated it. Done. Fantastic. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Katie, Anjali, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for giving me your time, your insight, your wisdom and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you, Kizzy. Playing us out is Stephanie M. Casey and this track's called Dreaming Things. See you next week.
Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide-Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey, everybody. I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists. And you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. I'm Kenneth Hafianyo, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Mm-hmm.